Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Welcome to episode three of the second season of the Plant Witch Podcast. This evening, my husband and son and I were walking through the grove, this little patch of land that we live on here in Dover, Pennsylvania, and we came upon a fallen red cedar. We've been losing quite a number of cedar trees here over the past few years. They were a pioneer species that came to help this land recover when it was allowed to become forest again after it was finished being used for industrial agriculture. And the cedar is slow growing and it can't really compete too well with the hardwoods that grow here, the maples and the oaks and the walnuts. And so they end up being really, really shaded and scraggly. Um, And when the strong winds come, they often are felled. And it got me thinking about this plant, this really, really sacred tree. So I thought I would talk about cedar this week. Red cedar, or it's Latin binomial Juniperus virginiana. You can hear the Juniperus in there is related to the junipers. It's in the same family as juniper, and they look a lot alike. The difference is juniper is a shrub and sort of a carpet. but the cedar is a tree. Red cedar, which we have a lot of here, is often found on roadsides and in barren lands, being a pioneer plant. It creates habitat for birds in a number of ways. The bark of the red cedar is really friable, meaning it like easily frays, which creates nesting material for many species of birds. Here in the grove, we almost always have cardinals and robins nesting in our cedar trees. The female cedars produce a small blue waxy berry-like cone. Um, It's technically a pine cone or a cedar cone, but it looks like a berry. And many of the birds here eat heavily of these cedar berries. Cedar waxwings are actually named for their love of these cones. When a cedar waxwing eats a cedar cone, they actually sit on the branch together and they pass the fruit down to each other. So they're sure that everyone on the branch has a cedar cone. And when the waxwing eats a cedar cone, the fruit passes through their digestive tract in as few as 12 minutes. So it's a really quick jaunt through the cedar waxwing's GI system. And then those seeds are passed into the soil. The process of digestion through the waxwing's body actually primes the seeds for germination. So it's a symbiotic relationship. Other bird species who love the red cedar cones are robins, juncos, warblers, sparrows, jays, starlings and wild turkeys. 
We have flocks of thousands of starlings that stop here every year on their migration to enjoy the cedar cones. We also have smaller blue jay migrations in the hundreds. They use our grove as a rest stop on their journey, fueling up on those cones. These cedar cones are also used by humans to flavor gin. They can be made into a tea to help expel worms, which is called an anthelmintic. They also induce sweating, which is called a diaphoretic, and they can ease the pain of rheumatism. Besides being a habitat for many bird species, red cedar are also the primary larval host of the olive juniper hair streak butterfly, Calipharis grinius. Most insect species don't find cedars to be a good source of food because of the volatile oils that this tree emits. In fact, this tree is so good at keeping insects away that even fallen trees do not easily compost on the forest floor. The wood of cedars has been used to make fence posts, log cabins, coffins, and chests, like um, trunks, to protect precious items for thousands of years. There's a cedar trunk at the Temple of Apollo in Utica that is over 2,000 years old. It was a tradition in my family to have a cedar chest to keep heirlooms or a cedar closet to keep your finest clothes because the moths wouldn't go and eat them there. These trees are able to survive long after their work as a pioneer species is complete. If there's enough sunlight to reach the cedar in these groves of hardwoods and they can live long enough to grow, they can get really tall. They can be 40, 60, some say even 90 feet tall in optimal conditions. We have one grandmother cedar here in the grove that's probably about 40 feet tall. All the rest are really quite small, maybe 20 feet at the most. There have been cedar trees documented to be over 900 years old. In our area, the main threat to cedar health is the cedar apple rust. It's a fungus that grows on cedar trees and apple trees. It looks a lot like an orange brain or a sea anemone. It's like a hard brown walnut kind of when it's dry, but when the rains come, this otherworldly orange gelatinous being emerges from this hard brown nut shaped growth on the trees. And that is the cedar rust fungus. Not only does this fungus impact the health of the tree, the trees that host this fungus are a threat to the fruit orchards that are so prevalent in our area. For this reason, many farmers cut down all the cedar trees to protect their fruit trees from being infected with the cedar rust fungus. It really is endemic to this part of South Central Pennsylvania. Along with making a tea from the cones of the cedar, the young leaves can also be used to help ease coughs. The volatile oils act as an expectorant. 
Red cedar has a chemical compound called sujone, which is toxic in large doses. It's also present in mugwort. The leaves can be dried, burned like sage would be to purify the home. It's said that the smoke of cedar not only purifies, but calls in the spirits of the ancestors to bless us in our prayers and our magical workings. Sage is said to be the masculine clearing energy while cedar is said to be a feminine drawing in energy. I find the smoke of cedar to be very warm and soothing and a bit sweet. We use it often here. The native people of North America, I don't know which tribe specifically, but it's been passed down to me that the native people here use cedar to purify their space before ceremony and that they also use the tree the leaves, the bark, and the cones as medicine. They use the wood of cedar for bow making and to make posts to mark tribal hunting grounds. One of these red cedar posts was seen by settlers at what is now called Baton Rouge, which means red stick. Another type of cedar that we've planted here at the grove is white cedar, or Thuja occidentalis. This plant is also called arbor vitae, or the tree of life. These two cedars can be used medicinally in very similar ways, and thuja can also be used to burn for purification. Thuja has a special property called its prabhava, from Ayurveda, which is the detoxification of the body from vaccines. So if you've had your flu shot or your COVID vaccine, and you'd like to support the body in eliminating any toxins that may have been injected along with the medicine, you can use homeopathic thuja to aid the body in its elimination process. It's also known to help with wart removal. The essential oils of red cedar and thuja are extremely potent and should never be used on bare skin without diluting with a carrier oil. I would also caution against never ingesting the essential oil of either of these trees. I find red cedar to have a really strong, fiery energy. They're powerful, protective trees, and they're not easily injured. We've found that consistently wet conditions, including the cedar rust fungus, which thrives in wet conditions as well, have been some of the major um, threats to the health of the cedars here in the, in the grove. You also don't want to burn cedar in your wood stove or fireplace. The volatile oils um, make the cedar burn really quickly for one thing, and it can contribute to the formation of creosote in the um, chimney. It's wonderful to burn outside though the snapping and crackling of the burning cedar, the scent of the cedar oils as the fire releases them, and just the fiery nature of cedar on its own seems to go so well with sacred fires. Magically, cedar is um, an evergreen, so it carries the energy of immortality, abundance, wisdom, the sun, fertility and purification. Bow 
from the cedar tree can be used like a besom to sweep energetically through a space. Or if you're doing ritual outside, you can use it to sweep the floor. Um, I find they lose their needles really easily, so I wouldn't probably wave branches around in the house or I'd be doing a lot of sweeping afterwards. Um, I think my favorite way, though, really to work with cedar is to work in person with the tree, breathing with the tree. Um, on a warm day, the scent of cedar is so noticeable and palpable, and it helps me feel like I'm making a real connection with the tree to smell it deeply and take that scent into my body. I love to burn cedar bundles as well. Um, they're so easy to burn and they're so easy to make. And the scent is just citrusy and warm and uplifting. You do have to be careful um, with the male cedar tree. When it's in pollen, um, the scent is not that pleasant. It's a lot more like cat urine than um, the warm, citrusy, wonderful scent when they're not in pollen. Um, and that the female tree tends to have most of the time. So this tree has been a great ally to me and my family um, for generations and generations. Everyone had cedar chests. Um, I remember the blankets at my grandma's house smelling like cedar. We just went to an older home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, an Airbnb. Um, we were visiting a good friend, and the master bedroom had cedar closets. Um, the whole inside of the closet was lined with cedar wood to uh, keep the clothing safe from moths and other pests. Um, saunas are also often made of cedar. So this wood has been, uh, you know, an integral part of human evolution for a very long time. One of the women in my herbalism training was out working in her garden one day on the land where that she inherited from her grandparents. And as she was working, she suddenly became aware that she was being watched. She couldn't figure out there was nobody else out there with her. And she suddenly realized it was the cedar tree. It was watching her as it had watched her grandparents and it had watched her parents as children. And she realized in that moment that that cedar tree knew her so well. It had watched her her whole life. It had watched her parents their whole lives. It had been there for generations. And it was carrying this sort of grandmother energy, this, this fierce presence. The indigenous people to North America called white cedar grandmother cedar and it very much carried that kind of protective and watchful energy. It was used in the smoking blend that is called kinnik kinnik. Uh, it was smoked for ceremony. Um, it was used to aid in childbirth. White cedar was very instrumental to the medicine and the ceremony of many nations of people. 
I often look out on the land here in North America, what the First Nations people called Turtle Island, and I think how in just a few short, you know, millennia, or a few short centuries, really, this land that's been so used to being talked to and cared for and seen as sentient has been sort of forgotten. You know, these trees were used to being in relationship with the First Nations people who lived on this continent. The waters were in relationship with these people, with the First Nations people. It's only the past 300 years or so, and many of these trees have been alive that long, that they've fallen out of direct contact, daily contact with humans. So there's a deep remembering on this land of what it can be like, of of how we can be in relationship. And if we can tap into that memory and listen deeply to the trees and the plants who have not forgotten how to speak with us, everything can change really quickly in a really positive direction. So I encourage you to work with red cedar and white cedar. Um, both of them make a really lovely tea in the winter time. I just cut a branch off the cedar tree, pop it in my teacup and pour hot water over it. I don't bother taking the needles off or anything. I just walk around with my little branch poking out of my teacup and it's really delicious and it has vitamin C, which is so important in the winter time just like hemlock and white pine, those pine, those evergreens are rich in vitamin C, um, which, you know, as a survival food in the winter when, when options are scarce can help prevent things like scurvy. So I feel like I could go on and on about red and white cedar, but I'm going to stop at that point for now. And I hope you will deepen your relationship with this plant. I would love to hear about um, any experiences you've had, your favorite way to work with cedar. And if you're in need of a cedar bundle, you can find one at my shop um, at symmetryholisticcollective.com or at therebelherbalist.com. If you don't see them listed, which sometimes they aren't, just reach out to me through Instagram or Facebook or email, and I'll make sure you get one. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook at The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.